and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And if you want to find out what's going on, check out Nostalgia Highway. Right, fellas? Right. Yeah. Give me a hole, guys. Hello! Coming to you from someplace warm, a place where the beer flows like wine, where beautiful women instinctively flock like the salmon of Capistrano. I'm talking about a little place called Nostalgia Highway, the movies you know from the guys you don't, or the No Frills Movie Review Podcast, where we are bringing to you the movie that forever redefined the meaning of the word dumb. It is dumb and dumb. Very dumb and dumber. That's right. I am your host, the Mayor Matt Logson, and joining me for episode 53 out here on the highway is my co-host, who knows that you can't triple stamp a double stamp. You know, just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this and totally redeem yourself. I'm Dave King of the Road. Oh, hell yeah. Well, tonight we are going to review the 1994 comedy classic, Dumb and Dumber. We'll spoil this movie if you haven't already seen it. I mean, come on. You've already seen it. You've already right. seen it. Don't act like, oh, I've never seen this. <laughs> well, meet Lloyd and Harry, two lovable losers down on their luck, doing their best to skate by in the world. After getting sacked from their jobs, they go off on a cross-country trek to Aspen, Colorado to return what they believe to be a lost briefcase to Lloyd's newest crush, Mary. Between a hitman and a hitwoman, in hot pursuit, Lugie Denbergers, a side trip to Nebraska, the pending extinction of the Icelandic snow owl, and possibly ruining their long-standing friendship, nothing will stop these two from returning Mary's missing briefcase and doing it in the most dumbest ways possible. got no food, we've got no jobs, our pets' heads are falling off! Well, Dumb and Dumber is rated PG-13 for Petey's head falling off, or, if you will, uh, Kappa getting detated, piss-filled beer bottles, Afraid of Felcher, crossbreeding a bulldog with a Shih Tzu, bathroom stall rendezvous on March 25th at 2.15 a.m. sharp, John Denver being full of shit, <laughs> and the most annoying sound in the world. Has a runtime of an hour and 47 minutes. It premiered in Hollywood on December 6th, 1994, with a nationwide U.S. release 10 days later on an estimated $17 million budget. It made $16.3 million its opening weekend, and grossed $127.1 million in the U.S. alone, and nearly doubled that number worldwide. Massive, massive success. This thing was supposed to be a flop, too. Yeah, it was a throwaway movie, more or less. Yeah, yeah. showed you. Took them a couple <laughs> of years, I guess, from initial conception to production, because they just didn't get anybody interested. Right. Yeah, I have a, whenever we get to our little uh, behind-the-scenes, I have a short list of possible potential combinations would be actors to take roles so that'll be interesting yeah there's some interesting names on there imdb has this at a 7.3 out of 10 
a Rotten Tomatoes score of 68% with an audience score of 84%. Currently, it is not streaming anywhere for free, but it can be bought or rented on Amazon Prime for $3.99. It is directed by Peter Forelli with his brother Bobby going uncredited. This stars Jim Carrey as Lloyd Christmas, Jeff Daniels as Harry Dunn, Mike Starr as Joe Mentalino, and Lauren Hawley as Mary Swim, Swami, Slippy, Slappy, Swinson, Samsonite? Is it in your notes? I know you take good Swanson. notes, Swanson. Uh, I was way off. I knew it started with an S, though. You were way off. <laughs> Initially, Jim Carrey was offered $700,000 to appear in this, but that offer went out the same week when Ace Ventura Pet Detective came out, and it opened up at number one in the United States. So by the time his agents had renegotiated with the producers, it ballooned to $7 million, which is almost half the movie's budget. So he went from making 700000 to $7 million. Yeah, that's a good day. Yeah, that's a nice come up. <laughs> And I'll tell you, given all of his serious roles, I kind of feel like Jeff Daniels was an odd choice. But, I mean, he was perfect as this this almost straight man to play next to Jim Carrey, you know. And Jim Carrey went to bat for Jeff Daniels to keep him and include him in this movie. And uh, for the first week, the studios didn't even film scenes between the two because they were almost certain that he was going to be replaced. And uh, I guess they even lowballed him with an offer of $50,000 compared to Jim Carrey's seven million, okay? Wow. And basically to they wanted to ensure a no from him, but like he didn't even hesitate. He took it straight up. And uh his agents were like kind of pissed about it. Like, this is gonna kill your career. Mm. And at the time, that was his most successful movie. Oh yeah. Probably still is. Uh speed might have overtaken that. Oh well his role in it wasn't as important as it wasn't this. Well, no, but he was in it, and he, I mean, he was important. Okay, yeah. (laughs) He wasn't as as important as Harry Dunn. Well, no, I'm not going to dispute that, but I like Jeff Daniels. He's a really good actor. Great range. We've already made some of the the quotes here. What's some of your favorite, I don't know, quotes, scenes? Oh, my gosh, the quotes. Mock. Yeah. Ing. Yeah. Bird. C. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that scene is hilarious. Yeah, it it is. gets me every single time, dude. They're going by. It's like, hey, look, loiters and hitchhikers. We'll pick them up. <laughs> it's so great. Oh, man. It's just, it's, oh, my God. It is just chock full of so many. Um, as far as scenes, uh, the diner scene with Seabass and the boys and the follow-up scene after that with uh, Harlan Williams as the motorcycle cop is just yeah. arguably... If someone said that is their favorite part of the movie, I I wouldn't fight you on that. Man, it's up there. I mean, it's great. That whole ordeal is just, oh, it's top class. It really yeah. is. Lloyd's dream sequence, that whole thing. Did you notice that there was a, uh, a somebody in that scene along with Lloyd? The uh, waiter who... Oh, yeah. His yeah, nuts... No, oh no, not Genghis Khan. Okay, but I, I honestly, oh that waiter, that waiter, that waiter, that kisses her uh, on the hand or whatever. No, 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 not him. The one that he play, he has like play speed bag with his nuts and then he bites him. Okay, 
Okay. You know who that is? No. That's your man Don Shanks. No shit. No shit. <laughs> That's well. Now I'm ashamed. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> yep. But seriously, the chef that came out. I mean, really, they couldn't get uh. Al Leong, I said the wrong last name last week. I said like Jiong or something, but like seriously, they couldn't get that guy for this. I feel like that was a missed opportunity. That should have been him. Yeah. <laughs> they got Al Leong Light. Yeah. That wasn't him? No. Okay. Man, I'm very forgiving. I have a child's mind when I watch a movie. I just I just see someone and I'm like, yep, that's that guy. Right. <laughs> and I don't even question it. I don't get on that's IMDb. Hilarious. I'm just like, that's that guy. Looks a little different <laughs> today, but that's him. <laughs> just like Davy so... from from yeah, just uh, Dave. <laughs> everything from every in the movie 80s. in eighties. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. It's fucking ET what kid. A... Yeah, it's all of them. Uh, well, what about you, man? I mean, what are some of your favorites in this? Oh, I've gone on here a little bit. You, you you got me on the scene where he pulls them over and they got all the beer bottles and fucking you you'll know. shut your mouth if you know what's good for you. Yeah, That's funny. But even before that, when Lloyd's pissing and he's like, you know, hand me another one. Hurry, hurry, hurry. <laughs> you know, I, hurry, hurry. And you hear the bottle filling up. You're like, yeah. oh my god, it's going everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so funny, man. Yeah. Oh man. Yes, it, that that whole thing is just it is comedy gold, man. It it's. Yeah. It is arguably some of the funniest stuff I think I've ever seen on film. I mean, for real. Growing up as a kid, I mean, the juvenile humor that this is just chock full of, for me as a 14, 15-year-old kid, I mean, this was heaven, you know? Right. But they, like Jim Carrey sitting in the back of the toilet stall sucking his thumb when uh, yes. Harry, Harry saves him from sea bass after he yes. he's in the shitter at the exact time and date that <laughs> yep. somebody's about to show up. Yep. That's fucking. Oh great. my gosh! Yeah. The part when you when you see the setup for uh, Lloyd giving Harry the laxative. I mean, yeah, you yes. know what's coming. <laughs> he tips the cup as Harry's taking a little sip of it. <laughs> he pushes it back a little farther. Like here, take some more. Yeah, it's that is that is awesome. One scene, kind of going back to something we discussed in our uh, holiday extravaganza special. Um, obviously, there's a scene where Harry sticks his tongue on a uh-huh. metal railing on the uh, the ski lift. <laughs> right. By the time I'd seen this, I already knew what the score was, and I knew it was going to happen because I'd already seen a Christmas story prior to this. <laughs> but I'll tell you, and obviously it was extremely exaggerated in this, but the way it felt for me when I was getting unstuck to the metal pole that I stuck my <laughs> my, my tongue and my eventual my bottom lip to, mm-hmm. that's what it felt like. When it ripped off. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, painful. Painful. Don't do it, kids. It's it's actually one of the few things that is true in a movie. <laughs> oh, man. I don't yeah. think I've ever had that experience. I think I've, like, I've always been too afraid to. Like, I don't know. Well, now, with COVID, you can't, but, you know. Well, yeah, you can't go around sticking your tongue to just random things like you right. used to. That's a thing of the past, boys. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. Unless you live in Texas, I guess they're allowing it. Yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> they're allowing you to stick your tongue on, you know, whatever kind of metal pole. Lick anything you want. <laughs> oh, generally, man. generally, things don't freeze in Texas, but, you know. <laughs> that is true. 
But I did live in San Antonio, Texas at one time when we did have an ice storm and it more or less shut the state down for at least a few days. Yeah. I don't it wasn't anything to the extent of this. All right, so Lloyd, he goes cross country for Mary, even though she has absolutely no interest in him at all whatsoever, but he's crushing hard. So I want to ask you, King, when is a time that you crushed on a girl in your past and you went to great lengths to impress her? Oh, man. I, I got to dig deep for this one. Uh, I was in grade school one time, and there was this this blonde chick, always had you know, her hair pulled up in the cheerleader ponytail. She had that you know, cheerleader vibe. She looked older than the rest of the girls in her class, even in grade school. Uh, her and uh, I suppose some of her friends put her up to hitting on me and acting like she wanted to date me. And this is maybe the first time I'd ever been proposed a date, especially from a hot girl that I knew I didn't have a chance with. And I was like, you know what? You know, I, I didn't have any experience. Very innocent. Dave King of the Road being led on by a hot blonde. You know, I'm, and I'm a guy. Guys are dumb. So <laughs> she asked if I'd walk home, you know, from school with her one day. And I said, sure. And uh, I, I didn't have any business walking home from school with her because this was all set up. She gets me off the school playground there, and we're walking down the street. And she turns around and slaps me. And uh, I was like, oh, man, what what was that? You know, I thought we were going to go on a date here soon. You're slapping me. I didn't do anything wrong. But she was just she was just like, get away from me. Get the fuck away from me, you know, or whatever. She didn't want to date me. It was kind of a bullying situation. It's kind of embarrassing. But, like, you know, it's, it's grade school. I don't, yeah. even remember, I don't even remember her name now or give a shit what she's doing. She's probably, she's probably loaded. She's probably a model or something. Who knows? <laughs> or, or she's, you know, good God. This, in this world, she could be dead. We're, we're old now, so. Right. Yeah, we are, we are the elders. <laughs> uh, I don't want to go dark with this, but, you know, we're doing Dumb and Dumber, so. But here we are. No. Yeah. Um, but that's how dumb I was as a kid, you know, in grade school. Well, I, I mean, in grade maybe, school. Maybe would have fell for that. Well, I actually have one that's from grade school. Oh wait, before you go, before you go on, I I swung my lunchbox at her after she after she slapped me in the face. Oh, <laughs> this is grade school, man. I had a plastic, I think, Back to the Future lunchbox. I mean, man, I swung it at her. She <laughs> she dipped, and I stopped in the road. She went her way, I went my way, and then you know, I think there was some teasing the next day at school about it, but I just played it off like it never happened. Anyway, <laughs> that's the the finale of that grand tale. Okay. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you my grade school encounter. So there was a girl that this was shortly after I moved up from Texas to Parkersburg, West Virginia. And I'm not going to name names because this girl and I were actually friends on Facebook. So <laughs> to spare her any uh, humiliation on my own undoing here, we'll just change go. the names and places to protect the innocent. <laughs> but, uh, I was crushing on this girl in my class. I think this was either fourth or fifth grade. I can't remember. And I'm sitting at home and I'm like, what? I'm trying to, like, I want to impress her, right? Yeah. Poetry. That's what you do, right? You write some sappy ass sonnet to a chick professing your love, right? So this is yeah. what I'm starting to do. So I'm writing stuff down and like, it's just not coming together for me. This is before Google kids. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that point was clear because, yeah. Right. So here's what my dumbass did. I actually, not the actual chorus, just the lyrics or the, I don't know what you call it, the uh, verses mm -hmm. of Motley Crue's Home Sweet Home. I copy those down 
almost verbatim or portions of it as my own work <laughs> to give to her the next day at school. And the looking back on this, the fact that I was totally banking on her never hearing one of the most popular 80s rock ballads there ever was, it was a bold choice. Yeah. I don't know uh, if she ever caught on, if she knew or not, but it didn't work out. But yeah, so I totally tried to use Motley Crue as my own uh, my own work. Did you to try to swoon you, a girl? Did you pull that from memory, or did you have a cassette tape that you're hitting play and rewind and play again to to write this all down? I don't remember doing that. I know I didn't have the cassette. So I'm thinking I did a lot of it from memory. Oh, wow. That's impressive. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I think, like, a lot of it was, like, I just got, like, maybe a couple paragraphs worth. Like, I don't think I did the whole thing. But, yeah, that's uh-huh. that's okay. what I totally did. Well, that's kind of like Vanilla Ice did with uh, Under Pressure, man. You just referenced someone's work. So, yeah, there's my uh, grade school crushing on a girl story. So, I don't know. Yeah. Listeners? Take a poll amongst yourselves. Who's was more embarrassing, the Kings well, or mine? Yeah, I mean, I was I was swinging a lunchbox at a girl. I mean, that's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, there was yeah. assault in yours. Well, yeah, but she hit me, and I didn't do anything <laughs> to deserve it, and I didn't understand it. And I mean, I think it just was an instinct, like, right? Oh, oh we're fighting, you know? I got a lunchbox, motherfucker. We're like, oh, we're doing this, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so yours had assault, mine had plagiarism. Yeah, that's all right. We're just lawbreakers. <laughs> this girl actually hit me, though. I mean, she fucking left a red mark on my face that I went home, you know, kind of half crying about. Damn. Yeah. It happens. Love, Shit happens. Love hurts, man. Kids are mean. All right, what's next? That was a fun conversation. Yeah, that was. That was funny. Okay, well, as promised, uh, for some of the behind-the-scenes stuff here, I have some names that were attached to the Harry and Lloyd characters in pre-production that never panned out. So... First off, we have Steve Martin, Ben Stiller, and Martin Short turned down the role for Lloyd. Eddie Murphy and Mike Myers were considered for the role of Lloyd. Chris Elliott and Chris Farley were briefly considered for the part of Harry. And listen to this. This is the only pairing that I heard of, but this is so crazy. Nicolas Cage and Gary Oldman were considered. They were the original choices to play Harry and Lloyd, supposedly. I can't Nicholas Cage even. and Gary Oldman. I can't either. Nicholas Cage obviously would be interesting. You know? I can't. I can't even. I can't um, either. It's like asking I'll, me to picture Nicholas Cage as Superman. <laughs> right. Yeah. I well, it's it's so hard to picture anybody else in these roles than these two. No. You know? No. Even as unconventional of a pick as Jeff Daniels is, I mean he was perfect. He was amazing in this. Maybe Gary Busey. Nah. That's Harry. <laughs> I can see that. Oh, my God. He would have be, to act. That'd be wild. Yeah. Did you know that the original screenplay was written by John Hughes? No. That's interesting. Uh, apparently, due to the deal that he made with the directors, the Ferrellis, his name was stripped from the project, including the script. Okay. So, from what it sounds like, there may be certain elements of this movie that were from John Hughes. Jim Carrey had chipped his tooth years earlier when a kid jumped on his head in detention when he was a kid, and he had the cap removed for the film to make his character look more goofy. Oh, bullshit. I can actually... 
No, I can actually relate to this because my front left tooth is actually broken off. Well, was broken off like that when I was younger. So I was always able <laughs> to like, if I didn't get that filled, that would be me. <laughs> Every time I've seen this. I feel like that's a bullshit story, man. I don't know, man. Uh, it seemed like something Jim Carrey would do, though. You know, they would have had to have done something to like cover where the tooth is broken off because I know how it felt with me. Like, I mean, just the slightest little wisp of air that touched yeah. it, like it was like searing pain in my head and mouth. You know, so they they would have had to have done something to seal it. Or I don't know. I'm not a dentist, obviously, but uh, they would have had to have done something there if that is in fact the truth. Huh. Okay. Man. Yeah, that sounds like, I don't know. I just never, I guess I never considered that. I just assumed it was prosthetic, you know, added on his teeth. Cause I, th- I thought by looking at it, it looks like his teeth are a little bit longer than they should be, just, you know, to make up for the extra cutaway right. for that tooth. I just always thought that. I never, ever, I would have never known if that's, if that's true. That's cool. Interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. The Van Harry and Lloyd Drive is an 84 Ford Econoline. You mean a sheepdog. Yeah. It's an 84 sheepdog. Sheepdog. <laughs> sheepdog. <laughs> um, the scene where they scam Seabass and the boys to pay for the bill, Lloyd said he saw it in the movie. The movie he's actually speaking about is called Something Wild from 86, and the person that scammed in that movie was Jeff Daniels. Are you serious? Yes, I never fuck? knew that. I never knew wow. that. I just thought that was just some random off-the-cuff thing that you could say, like, well, yeah, that's in any movie, because that sounds like that could be in any movie. Yeah, and it was, idea. but it was a particular movie, and not only just a particular movie, a movie his co-star was in. So wow. that's funny. That's, that's actually really, really cool. funny. I like that one. I, yeah, I didn't know that. So did you catch uh, the, the hotel, bar, and Lamborghini scenes where they were shot? Did that look familiar to you at all, the hotel? Oh, not The Shining, okay. is it? It is. It's the Stanley Hotel. Stanley. And, okay. Yeah. Uh, and it, while it's not the Overlook, it, it was did. what the inspiration for Stephen King was for The Shining. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's that was the Stanley Hotel. I mean, the uh, you know the set. Of yes, the, correct. Yep, Estes Park, Colorado. I mean, that's the first thing I thought of, but I, they didn't show me enough of it for me to recognize it that distinctly. Yeah, you nailed it though. You were right. Yeah. I feel like it was a lucky guess. Part in luck. Because that's the first hotel anybody would think of that's a horror fan. (laughs) Right. I guess, apparently, the We Landed on the Moon photo, it's still there because of this movie. Yeah. They leave it on the wall in the park. (laughs) That's one of the dumber, like, because it could have been cut and it wouldn't have have hurt much. It was kind of really, like, really. Well, it really was an ad-lib line. Like, he was just supposed to walk out, but Jim Carrey totally just pulled that out of his ass on his own on the spot. And for that, I can appreciate it, yeah. Well, and it's – knowing what this movie is, it works. I think it works. But the early draft of this had Mel Gibson as Mary's husband playing himself in a cameo just to kind of show that Lloyd had absolutely no chance in hell of getting Mary. I think that would have been funny. Yeah, I could have got into that. Jim Carrey has the distinction of being the first actor to have three movies go straight to number one in one year, which was this, The Mask, mask, and Ace Ventura. 
Yes. I didn't re- I didn't know that until like all those came out in the same year and Jesus man, he owned yeah. cinema in ninety four, yeah. dude. I hated the mask. I really did. I, I don't know why everybody loves that movie, but I didn't yeah. hate it. I, I, I as a kid I, I appreciate it because it was kinda cool. It was different. The special effects at the time were pretty top notch. It's very dated now, yeah. but it's one of the Jim Carrey movies that I haven't really gone back and given a legit rewatch because it was just okay. It was over the top, the so cheesiness. Yeah. Smoking. I don't know. Somebody kind of... stop me. Yeah, it was just too much. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Of those three, that is definitely my number three for sure. Yeah. A timeout review stated, quote, Given American cinema's current obsession with ignorance and innocence, an example, Forrest Gump, IQ, Nell, this, talking about Dumb and Dumber, at least doesn't attempt to romanticize its protagonists. End quote. Definitely I thought didn't. that was funny. I thought that was a funny quote. <laughs> so, But yep, that's all I've got. There yeah, was a lot more. I just kind of, these were the ones that I thought were the most interesting, and clearly by your reaction on some of them, I... Uh, I think I chose wisely. <laughs> well, see, so you've got a top five Jim Carrey movies. Is that what you're getting? At? Uh, I do. I do have a top five. Um, I do have. Serious. Uh, well, here's the thing: they are in no particular <laughs> order because this is clearly these are my top five Jim Carrey movies. Okay, mm. but to rank them, it's one of those. It could. With me seeing this one most recently, I'm inclined to put it at number one. But it, I, I feel like this top five is a revolving door. Uh-huh. Like they're all 1A, 1B, 1C, you know. But clearly there's this, Liar Liar, Ace Ventura, Pat Detective, the original one, mm-hmm. The Cable Guy, mm-hmm. and Man on the Moon. Hmm. Man on the Moon. I really That's... enjoyed that movie. I think – well, I think uh, I would replace that with Mr. Popper's Penguins. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I seen it. I think Adrian watched it, or we owned it. She had it on DVD or something. It was just, eh. Oh, man. That's a decent holiday film. I'll put that on at Christmas for the kids. And Man, it's better than Jingle All the Way by Schwarzenegger. That. Yeah, but that has its place. It's charm. I As a kid, I... I like that movie. That's the first movie I saw in a theater that I was like, wow, this was a letdown. You know, because it was a big holiday (laughs) movie that year. And we had just come off Home Alone and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And that fucking jingle all the way is our, our, you know, next batter up. And I was let down, man. I hear you. That's fair. I mean, because it's not like a great movie by any means. It's just... I don't know. It's it's there's some nostalgia tied to it, and it's an Arnold movie, and it has some scenes. Okay. So you agree with my four out of five? Man, I do. I do. You're 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 on the same track with me. Uh, so I was Dumb, Dumber, right. Ace Ventura. That'd be a tie for number one to me. Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber are the two best. That's like that's like Bloodsport and Kickboxer, man. How do you pick one? <laughs> They're both fucking great. Um, I agree. Liar Liar was like I feel like like a very it was a sophisticated comedy for him. I mean it's still slapsticky, but it yeah. was just it was more serious, I guess. And that's how so that's how I place 
that's where I put Popper's Penguins. It's more of a a serious role for Jim Carrey. I mean, he's got, you know, a serious investment that he has to fucking, you know, get his shit right. <laughs> yeah. To make make things right in his life. And I don't know, it's more of a, you know, family drama slash comedy. Yeah. But I don't know, it's always no, had a but, spot for me. But, but for me, Man on the Moon, his portrayal of Andy Kaufman was is absolutely incredible. Danny DeVito was awesome in that. I mean, like I said, I feel that was an Oscar-caliber performance from Jim Carrey. I really do. Here's so the thing. good. If, if we're just basing it on his performance as Andy Kaufman, sure, he fucking knocked it out of the park. I personally never cared for Andy Kaufman, so it didn't connect with me. That's the reason why. Okay. Yeah. Well, and that's fair. And I'm not going to say like I have like a huge connection with Andy Kaufman or anything, but I knew of him a little bit. And it, yeah. more than anything, I was drawn in by the story and just, you know, Jim Carrey's performance. Right on. The dedication that, you know, he took and the time that, you know, he did his research to look and act and, you know, basically just become Andy. Yeah. And I don't know. Well, I really appreciate that. But. Yeah, and the take the cable guy, it was one of those that I liked from the very get go. Yeah, that I felt like a lot of people didn't really like that much. I feel like it was a, it was a little slapsticky, but I f- it was more of a dark comedy. Yeah, I you think know, like for me, you almost feel bad for Jim yeah. Carrey's character in the movie. You know, him being so you know just lonely, and it just he's. As ridiculous as he is, you he was able to convey that sympathy from a viewer it, for me, you know. And again, I appreciate that. I mean, he he's great at being over the top ridiculous, but he's also not a bad dramatic actor either. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a strong suit, though. And honestly, I wasn't. It's like watching wrestling and like. You know, you've got your baby face uh, Hulk Hogan here, and uh, all of a sudden we're going to turn him heel. That was a great move, by the way, turning Hulk Hogan heel when they did. But, like, if they'd have done it, I hated it. too soon, if they'd have done it too soon, the fans weren't ready for it. You know, it's kind of where I'm at with Cable Guy. Like, they turned Jim Carrey into a bad guy here, and I'm like, I just wasn't ready for that. Like, no, 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 don't do that, <laughs> you know? No, I liked it. I, I Matthew Broderick was really good in it. Sure, and just the concept of it all. And again, there, there's so many scenes, and I, that is another very quotable movie where there's just a bunch. Yeah, know. I'm not shitting on it. I'm just saying that in oh, I know. In my yeah. point of view at that age, I looked at this as a like unacceptable situation where Jim Carrey's a bad guy and blasphemy. Right. Do you like pro wrestling? Yeah. Are you tired of the same old recap podcast? Uh, duh. Do wrestling fans confuse you? More than you will ever know. Well, you're in luck. Join me, Mike J. And me, Mike S. Every Saturday for the Drive-By Wrestling Podcast. Each week, we break down the ups and downs of main roster WWE and try to explain online fan outrage. And, of course, we have the Wednesday Night War between NXT and AEW covered from our unique viewpoints. That's the Drive-By Wrestling Podcast every Saturday on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere podcasts are found. 
Still breaking hearts and breaking kayfabe. Uh, I guess that is what we say. It is. Those uh, IOUs in the uh, briefcase after they just fucking gratuitously hand out. Those are just as good as money. (laughs) Yeah. Just as good as money, sir. You know, have you had a time when you went on a frivolous spending spree? Uh, You know, I thought about this one, and outside of just alcohol, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I would have to say it was shortly after I got out of the Navy. And I had a fairly decent amount of money saved up after I got out. And I decided just one day I woke up and I'm like, I'm going to go buy a TV. I'm going to buy a new TV. So I went out and I bought a 19-inch TV. And it wasn't one of these flat screen jobs. This was before this. Mm-hmm. We're talking 2002. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, so it was like an old bulb style, kind of heavy for its Ooh, size. Deep. TV. Deep. Deep. <laughs> yep. And uh, I bought that, and while I was there in the electronics section, I saw that they had the PlayStation 2 on sale. Well, I had money to burn, so to speak, and so I went out and I bought a TV, I bought a PlayStation 2, I bought a game, I can't remember what game it was, and a case of beer. Yeah. Man. So I'd say it was probably, I'd say close around $400. What was the game? I gotta know. I can't remember. That's oh, the thing. I cannot for the life of me. See, that was when early on, maybe it was a Grand Theft Auto game. Okay. Man, those sucked in the day one. Yeah, the best one was Vice City. That's the one I had the most fun with. Right. And then whatever the next one was that came out, maybe it was San Andreas, they changed the controls. They were totally different, and it pissed me off, and I was like, well, fuck this game. I'm not going to play it. And I was right. done with Grand Theft Auto. I hear you. That was it. <laughs> yeah, but Vice City, I played the shit out of that. Man, I had a short run on Grand Theft Auto once they went to the 3D, you know, ground air view. I don't know. It just, it's all right. It's not for me. It was cool for its time. I mean, now anymore, all I ever play is I'll play sports games, you know, or right. something on the the PlayStation VR. Yeah, and so I'm really, yeah, I'm pretty basic when I come to my uh, my gaming. Uh, repertoire. <laughs> I think I can't. I mean, recently I did I did a frivolous spending that I was proud of. Right after all the toilet paper and paper towel shortage, I was in the Sam's <laughs> Club and uh, fucking just pushing my buggy through there. I'm just going for some food, you know, and maybe a bottle of some booze, just because <laughs> you know Sam's has a decent selection, right? And and good meat. And uh, I started noticing everybody in that fucking store was had a big like. 48 roll pack of paper towels in their buggy. I mean, it took up the whole buggy. This thing was filling the fucking you know, main console section of the buggy. And uh, I was like, yeah, where the fuck are those? Let's get a bag of those, man. I haven't you know, bought a bag of paper towels or whatever, a package of paper towels that big in my entire life. And I get to them, I find them, and they're like 22 bucks, but it's... It's enough paper towels that I can fucking roll out a handful of them just to pick my nose if I want to, you know, because I got so many now. <laughs> and I'm just like, fuck it, I'm buying them. I don't give a shit. And I did. And we still have a couple rolls. And man, that was, god dang. It was like summer of or fall of last year. Wow. 
I'm saying summer. I'm saying like early summer, like maybe June, July. Still got a row or two of it sitting up there on top of the fridge waiting to be For a special occasion. Oh, man. <laughs> we'll break it out on a special occasion only. Now, the other time, uh, you know, we was at Horror Hound together, and I was, I was damn uh, determined if nothing else happened, I was going to get Christopher Lloyd's autograph. And he was asking a hundred fucking dollars for his autograph. Right. Actually, I think it was eighty. And when we got there, we find out, oh, it's a hundred, and we're like, yes. oh shit, you're That's fucking right. kidding me, dude. And then when I get to the front of the line, I find out, well, yeah, it's a hundred for an autograph, but if you want him to personalize it for you, it's a hundred and twenty. And I'm like. Peeking through my wallet, like, damn, that's that's gonna eliminate me getting, you know, some dickhead's autograph that I want. And uh, I think it ended up being Chucky, fucking, what's his name? Brad Dwarf. Not, not no, not Brad Dwarf. Well, I did sneak in a photo op with him for somebody yeah, else's photo op. Yeah, you did. But uh, <laughs> the kid, Andy, what's his fucking name? The actor. Oh, Alex Vincent. Alex Vincent. I had intention of getting his autograph, and that got cut because they want 120 for a custom christopher lloyd you know and then and to them that meant just your name me them putting you know to dave not even king of the road they just wanted to put to dave and uh but anyway i i suckered him into writing your futures whatever you make it nice love chris that's awesome he he didn't put love chris he put christopher lloyd but <laughs> anyway i was pretty happy i got a i got a custom autograph and it cost me every bit i could afford but that was forever spending. Yeah, well, and it was funny. Right before you mentioned Horror Hound, I had thought about it. Like, ah, uh, well, Horror Hound. Mm-hmm. That's there's frivolous spending there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this guy, man, this was top of my fucking list. I mean, this was right. the amount, this was the peak of the fucking pyramid for me, Christopher Lloyd. Right. There is a scene that you kind of alluded to earlier, King, uh, that involves Harry and a bathroom ordeal that holy shit <laughs> i'm telling you this scene had to give more than just me a complex about taking a dump somewhere else other than home especially like if it's at someone's house like to this day i shit you not pun intended i, suppose. <laughs> pun intended. I shit i shit you not i feel like there are times that i will do everything i can within my power to not take a dump at someone's house because right. it, it's it's just i don't know i kind of feel like it's a respect thing and you know sometimes it's audible you know and you know some sometimes the vent going off you know that you hear the fan it doesn't necessarily cover up that sound right. and you know so it's a little bit of you know saving some embarrassment and respect for the other people because like i don't want to go in your house and blow up your toilet you know i'll blow up my own toilet but yeah, I respect that. Yeah, I'm assuming. I, mean, it, I think it, everybody is to an extent. I mean, unless it's absolutely like, <laughs> like Harry is in this. Right. Like I cannot. That I is out. I gotta go. <laughs> you know, like I feel like there might have been some organs that went along with that one. You know, right. that was deep. <laughs> but so I, mean, I got I got a cool fact about that. I don't know if you knew this or not, but. Uh, Clint Eastwood okay. ran into uh, Jeff Daniels in uh, wherever. Okay. I don't know where they ran into each other. Maybe the fucking Piggly Wiggly for all I know. But uh, <laughs> Clint Eastwood said, hey, you know, I related to that scene where you're in the, the bathroom. He goes, because I went on a date with a girl once, and I we'd went out to eat, and I came back to her place, 
and whatever we had to eat was just going right through me. There was nothing I could do, you know, to prevent it. Oh I had God. to go use her bathroom. And I was just thinking, that's a cool story, you know, Clint Eastwood. Oh, my God. The coolest that's so cool. Hollywood gets in a predicament <laughs> like Harry does there. That is hilarious. Yeah. That's so cool, man. So, okay, taking out the fact of, like, trying to – taking a dump at someone's house in public, used to – like if I got into a stall and there was someone to either side of me or both sides, like I would try to, you know, oh man, be yeah. gentle. And I, you know, anymore, I just let her go. <laughs> yeah, I just let her go. There's something that comes with age where you just stop. You just stop just worrying quit about giving it. a fuck. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it happens with age. I think it happens at forty, probably, because I've always felt like I don't give a fuck, but now yeah. it's like. I really don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually so. able to act upon it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's a fair statement. But I'll, I'll tell you, man, this scene, like, it really did. I mean, even still, like, when I went, when I was rewatching this, just like, oh, my God, it's mortifying. It really it's, is. It's a gut buster, especially, man. Especially if it's, like, it's someplace where it's... And it's always at some place where it's the last place you want it to be, you know, yeah. kind of like with Clint Eastwood's story with this yeah. new girl you just met, or it's at your new girlfriend's parents' house or grandma's, or you know, it's just right. it's always at the most inconvenient place. <laughs> and you know, when you're in there, you're like looking at your watch and you're like, oh shit, I've been in here they more know than I, four or five minutes now. They know they I'm not pissing I'm not anymore. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my god. It's like as soon as you close the door, it's like you're on the clock, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Time's a ticking. Alright, so have you seen the um the prequel or sequel to this? Or the cartoon series? I know I had to have seen at least one or two of the cartoon episodes, and I think there's only like thirteen. There wasn't very many. It was very, very uh, short lived. I have not seen the sequel, but I have s I did see the prequel. And it was a one-time watch, and I was not impressed. Okay, well, you would feel the same with the sequel, I think. Well, and I feel like that's part of the reason why I stayed away from it, because I remember the reviews of it being less than stellar and, you know, as nostalgic and as high regard as I hold this movie. I kind of want to just know this part of it and not what they did 20 some yeah. years later, you know what I mean? Well, you earlier alluded to a romantic narrative that they didn't uh, pursue in the first one. Well, oh, how, how yeah. Did you say? Great Felcher. Yeah, uh, well, that's, that's what we get in the sequel is the uh, fact that Freda Felcher had a child that was Harry's. And okay. he needed a kidney, and this was the only option for somebody, you know, a family member that could donate a kidney i mean it was really a dumb dumb plot to begin with Cash grab yeah they go on a hunt for her and they you know of course they have a few easter eggs with uh, the fucking kid with the birds or Petey. Uh -oh. now now he has a bunch of birds like a fucking collection of exotic you know african parents and are their heads shit. taped on well no they're all active okay. working parrots uh -huh. i think <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's just I don't even want to get into it. The sequel sucks. Honestly, like if you had to put me against the wall with a gun to my head, would I rather watch the sequel or the prequel? 
it's a tough call, man. You get you get your you know your stars in the sequel, but the story sucks and the jokes are really rehashed mm. and cat you know phoned in. Um, but the prequel that has sucks. some kind of quirky moments where they you know meet for the first time and and things are retold. You know, oh, that's how that happened. You know, I don't know. It's it, this was a standalone movie. Just forget that they made a sequel and a prequel. And as far as the animated series, man, I, don't, I saw a, a one or two, and yeah. the the voices weren't the regular actors. And man, that's that's a instant noticeable thing for me that sends me packing. Yeah, well, and that's the way like they did. There were so many cartoons that were adapted from popular movies yeah. in the '90s that were like they lasted a season if they lasted that long. And I remember always being turned off of them when it wasn't the original actors voicing the characters, which obviously as a kid, I mean, you know, you're going to have that expectation and then that eventual disappointment. Whereas as an adult, like, well, yeah, of course they're not going to do a fucking animated series for this movie. They're off to do something else. You know, they're not, it's, this is beneath them. Well, Christopher Lloyd did, uh, Doc Brown in the Back to the Future animated series, and the guy that did Marty was pretty fucking good. That I that's right. That I do remember that Christopher Lloyd did do that. Yeah, and I I think that's why that one stuck out for me. That was uh, successful in my eyes. It only lasted two seasons, but I enjoyed them. It was a new way to see Back to the Future because they weren't going to make any more movies. Yeah. Well, it's like another one they did was a uh, Beetlejuice, and it was actually sure. it lasted a yeah. little while. I I watched it the most, but I was still like, "That's that's not Michael Keaton." Mm, yeah, that's not that's not Beetlejuice. I hear you. You know, yeah. Sometimes I can forgive it, and sometimes I can't. I just don't know what the what the code right. is. Yeah, I just when think did, it's it's something that just hits you in the moment. I yeah. think, and obviously, depending upon how much you care about the movie, you yeah. know that they're adapting it from. I think that has a lot to do with it too. So. I got to buy into the character. It's got to be that character 100% or else it's like, man, you're fake fucking, oh, I don't know. Back in the day, the wrestling uh, world had a fake Razor Ramon and a fake Diesel, and I was like, this is this is stupid. <laughs> yeah, he does the same fucking finishing move and has the same music when he comes out, but that's not him. <laughs> it's just that shit yeah, out of here. That's funny. You remember Doug? Doug had a voice change right after the Doug movie came out. On Nickelodeon, they started a new season of Doug, and he had a different voice, and I was like, nope, change oh, I the never, station. I never watched Doug. Oh, I related to Doug. Okay. Yeah. I knew it was popular. Have you ever been snow skiing before? Nope. I have one time, and I'll tell you, it was about one of the hardest fucking things I'd ever tried to do. I spent more time on my ass and on my knees than I did on those fucking skis. Straight up. I went to Wisp, which was in Maryland, on the other side of West Virginia, and uh, went with a girl that I, I don't necessarily would say we were dating, but we were seeing each other and going out on dates somewhat on a regular basis for a period of time. And uh, she had talked me into going to a snow trip, a snow skiing trip with her and some friends. And... Uh, yeah, it sucked. I was sore the next day. I hated it, and uh, I've never done it since. 
You spent more time on your ass and knees than anything else you said. Yeah. And that's like that time we went to that brothel. Yeah. I think I had more fun at the brothel, though. <laughs> I fucking sure would hope so. You can't even remember this girl's name you're talking about, so... No, I can remember. I'm Again, I'm changing and Well, oh, I'm just omitting names to... It'd be a lot cooler if you didn't remember her name. Sorry. Jeez. <laughs> this fucking guy. Come on, man. I'm the mayor. I'm an index of nonsense. One last thing I want to add on here before we head into our wrap-ups here. With all the weird-ass scenes that Jim Carrey and Lauren Hawley share... After this movie was filmed, they ended up getting married. Do you remember that? No. He got married to Lauren Holly? Yeah, they were married, and it was only for 12 months. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. Yep. Yep. They met on uh, this movie. She actually turned down a role in Ace Ventura Pet Detective, which I'm assuming was the role that went to Courtney Cox. Mm-hmm. Totally speculating on that. But, okay. yeah, she turned that down, but then she accepted this role. And then after they wrapped filming, they apparently there were – some genuine sparks there. There really was a chance, and uh, they got married for 12 months. She, she had a pretty ass. I know that. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. She was cute. She was cute. Oh, yeah. yeah. She hasn't aged super well, but... Eh, I don't. I don't care. Did you ever see the movie uh, Any Given Sunday? Man, I'm embarrassed to say no, I haven't. I know what it is. I know who's in it. I just... It's one of those that's evaded me. For whatever she, reason. She plays Dennis Quaid's wife, who Dennis Quaid is the aging quarterback that ends up getting yeah. hurt. And she more like she's a bitch. Like she like he's kinda like, Oh well, maybe it's time to retire. And she's like, The fuck you are. Like you're gonna go out there and go play football because that's what you do. She's one of those. I can yeah. see her playing a bitch. Um uh, fact oh, she I was think, good. She was good in it. And in, in fact, I think the, some of the looks she makes in this at Jim Carrey, I'm like Wow, she's holding back. <laughs> she's holding back a lot. Yeah. Like certainly she yeah. is a bigger bitch than this. But Yeah. Well, do you wanna kick off the rating and wrap up, my friend? You wanna know what I think of this movie? I do. Well, okay. It's it's definitely the best of the Dumb and Dumber trilogy. Uh, <laughs> that's an easy trilogy in quotations. Yeah. Hole in one shot right there. It is definitely the best of the three. Man. Between it and Ace Ventura, it's my favorite Jim Carrey movie. Knife to my throat, man. I'd, I'd pick Dumb and Dumber over Ace Ventura, but if you ask me tomorrow, I might have a different opinion. I hear you. This is one of those movies I, I watched and watched and watched when it first came out. Like I, When I was young, I could watch a movie over and over and still fucking laugh as hard the 15th time I've seen it as the first time. Man, this movie always makes me smile. It's a 9 out of 10 for me. Stamp it. Locked in. Back-to-back nines from the king. Nice. Yeah, we're reviewing good movies. Yeah, yeah, we are. We're not reviewing Troll Hunter or some dumb shit like that. Well, I don't... I mean, if it... I, I gave it a seven. <laughs> that is yeah, that nah. is a respectable score for being a foreign-language subtitled found-footage movie. Oh, no, you're not wrong. Yeah, I, I appreciated <laughs> your score on that. I never... If we're going to do a Ketchum curve scale, that's, that's like a 10 out of 10 for, for me on that. Yeah, for what we're... <laughs> <laughs> For what we're reviewing, type-wise, yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, man. But, there's yeah, always, that's a... There's always one. Yeah. It's an obscure movie. This may be one of the most, if not the most, quotable one-liner movies of the 90s. I mean, if yeah. they were a thing back then, 
this would have accounted for thousands of memes. When I watched it this time, this was the first time I had watched the director's cut, which is an additional six minutes. And, uh, I mean, I've watched the theatrical cut like you countless times. Like, I... Over the past 25 or so years, I, I, there's no way I could tell you. Obviously, as I've gotten older, it slowed down. But when it first came out, I was like you. I mean, I could literally watch the damn thing two times in one day and be fine, be yeah. totally fine with it. And with the director's cut, I don't think anything's omitted. I think everything is either filling in gaps or it's just extended scenes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was actually pretty cool because, like, it started out all fine, and then there was a scene, I can't remember which one it was, that I was like, I don't think I remember that. And then there was another scene that came up, and I'm like, okay, there's – okay, I've, I'm watching a different cut. So then I pause the movie, I go do a little search and find out that there's a director's cut, and then I'm like, uh, okay, this is what I'm watching. Mm-hmm. So, But, yeah, no, that was actually pretty cool after all these years seeing this movie – Honestly, could probably quote damn near all of it <laughs> verbatim. Uh, no, it was really cool to watch a director's cut for the first time. It was really nice. But, I mean, the fucking dog van, the title credits all being misspelled. Uh, I mean, it's 90s as fuck, but this is an exceptional soundtrack to this movie. Very enjoyable. Uh, the whole the first thing that comes to mind. I'm sorry. The oh, first thing that comes to mind when you say soundtrack, man, is that fucking why nobody wiggle your belly. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I can't even <laughs> not think of that the second I think of this movie. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, there's just so very dated, very, oh, yeah. very dated. But like, I, but I don't perfect. Know, for the time, it was very popular. I mean, they even got sure. the, the crash test dummies song, the. Mm, yeah. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they. They, I can listen they to that spare song. no expense. Yeah, I can listen to that song at least once every ten years <laughs> and still like it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but no more, no more yeah. than that. Yeah. No more, no less. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, the whole conservation society dinner sequence was hilarious. The snowball fight between Mary and Harry was hysterical. And we even get the obligatory Lynn Shea appearance in a New Line movie as the uh, dog show woman at the beginning yeah. with Harry. <laughs> I mean, this movie literally, it has it all, folks. And I figured out as a dad in all of my efforts to be as obnoxious as I possibly can be around my girls, you know, just to yeah. annoy and embarrass. I, I, I've figured out that I've kind of become a hybrid of Harry and Lloyd. Yeah. You know, and I mean, again, rewatching this movie, it reminded me just how cemented this movie. It's imprinted on my brain because I shit you not at a minimum. There is at least one to two times on any given week that I reference or quote this movie. And I didn't realize it rewatching. It was just like, oh, my God, because it's been a while since I'd seen this. Like and, and obviously for the first time ever, I'm watching it with a critical eye and it, it it was it was interesting to kind of self-analyze and realize that about myself and just understanding how impactful and significant this movie, as stupid as it is, was on sure. my life and growing up as a person. I mean, it, it's crazy. It's one of the best 90s comedies there are. It's one of my personal favorite comedies of all time. Arguably my favorite Jim Carrey movie of all time. I'm just under you. Eight and a half out of ten. I love this movie, and like you said, I mean, it, 
I dare you, even after all the rewatches that you've had in your entire lifetime of this movie, to sit through it and not laugh once. Right. Because I don't think you can do it. I watched it with the uh, kids the other day. They were in and out of the room. They were popping in and out because I think they've seen it before. But uh, they were both the my two littlest ones were were watching at the very end when the um, the bikini models bus pulls up, <laughs> and and I was just like giddy watching them wait for them to realize that <laughs> they're you know just so stupid. These girls wanted two guys to, you know, go with them on the tour, you know, and take pictures of them and everything, and and they just let it go, and then and then they, I, I watch the kids and they're they realize, oh no, they figured it out, they're gonna get get the girls back, <laughs> you know, so they yeah. do, but then they get them back and say, no, the town's that way. <laughs> you have to just excuse like, my friend; he's a little slow. Yeah, man, <laughs> it's the greatest when you just realize that. Oh, they're going to finally fucking do something smart? Nope. Not today. No, they're not. And honestly, that is the perfect way to end this movie. It was. It really it was is. It was, it was nice. I mean, it's like, okay, well, well, and it's just like, how are you going to end a movie like this? To where yeah. it's just not, you know, so. Oh, that was, that was masterful. Loved it. All right. Well, Dumb and Dumber gets the stamp. I can't say I'm surprised, to be honest with you. you it's know? a classic comedy, man. This is one of the best comedies of all time. Yeah, absolutely. So getting to some current news that's been going on here, uh, one thing that I've caught wind of is that uh, Paramount Plus has recently greenlit a Pet Cemetery prequel. Have you heard about that? This is one thing you've caught Wendigo of, you say? Wendigo, nice. Oh. I like it. Is that what it's, it's... going to be about, a prequel about the Wendigo? I mean... I don't know. They haven't. They didn't spare any details about it. But I mean, if if it's a prequel about the Micmac Indians and Wendigo, I don't think that's going to interest me. But if it's a prequel of Young Judd Crandall, and we get an expanded Timmy Baderman story, oh, okay, I I could be in for that. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. That's, that sounds all right. But if they want to go origins of the actual burial ground, eh, I don't know. I don't know if there's enough meat on the bone there for me. Man, yeah, they're venturing into dangerous waters here, I feel like, but I don't know. I, I can't uh, really fancy book remake. this. Oh, yeah, especially after the remake. Man, I, I can't imagine where they'd go with this. Uh, yeah, if we're going to do a young Judd, that might be cool. I mean, I feel like that's the only two things they could do, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, surely they wouldn't go into Rachel Creed as a child with no. Zelda and all that. I mean, I don't feel mm. like there's. I could see him throwing that in there, like as a side dish, and it not fucking working. I don't know. I don't know, man. They're, they're... I'm, I'm cautiously curious on this. I guess <laughs> I'm that's cautiously the way I'll nervous on this. Uh, okay, I, I'm, I'm there too. Yeah. This isn't a book Stephen King wrote. I mean, somebody's just fantasy booking a fucking prequel. Right, it's fan fiction at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which could like be it. good. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> it, it depends. And I guess also, in addition to this, they have, uh, uh, I guess, Victor Salva has sold his rights to the Jeepers Creepers franchise, and now they're going to do a reboot, and supposedly they have already filmed it. Mm-hmm. 
And I guess it's going to take place at a horror hound convention, mm. which could be interesting, maybe, possibly. I don't know. I'm very flimsy on it. I didn't see the third one. I've heard nothing but bad things about it. So I don't know about this one. These movies, these movies aren't uh, at the top of my list of any list. But right. you got me at horror hound. <laughs> if it's right, and I, I'm with you. I feel like that's. There. I feel like this is the only thing that makes it remotely interesting because we've been to Horror Hound a few times and we've been to horror movie conventions. So, yeah. But, yeah, this Pet Cemetery prequel, it's – I don't know. We'll see. Okay. We'll see if it even happens. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, let's not put the cart in front of the horse. Sure. Have you watched anything recently that stood out to you? Yeah, something that Janelle and I, we got together and we watched here recently was uh, Willie's Wonderland, the new Nicolas Cage <laughs> Uh, Five Nights at Freddy kind of type movie. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I wanted to like it a little bit more than what I did. I did enjoy it. I mean, I'm. It's not a great movie by any means, but I feel like the expectations they weren't quite met for me. Mm-hmm. But it was still entertaining enough. There are some great scenes. I feel like some of the CGI was a little eh, spotty at times. Uh, I, I'm not going to go into any details. I don't want to spoil anything because it's a brand new movie. But there were some things that were unexpected that you kind of grew to accept pretty quickly. But it also led to some missed opportunities, in my opinion. And I'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's over the top. But this is this is the new Nicolas Cage, you know, for 2020, for the decade of 2020. You know, so get used to it, fans. And I'll be honest with you, I'm 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 buying into it. Because I liked Mandy, I liked Color Out of Space, you know, I've liked some of these other direct-to-video movies that he's done over the past couple years here, and yeah. and they're not bad. I I think my favorite thing with uh, Willis Wonderland is is how Nicolas Cage sticks to the rules, man. The guy fucking told him, you know, take breaks, you know, whatever. Yeah, the guy that owned it, the, the cowboy guy. Yeah. That I said, Why couldn't they got Tom, Tom Atkins? Atkins. Yeah, dude. <laughs> That would have been phenomenal. If they had put Tom Atkins in this, this movie would have been a nine for me. Whoa! If if you'd have put him in that spot, I'm telling you, yeah, he would have elevated this movie that much for me. Oh Absolutely. no, it definitely it would increase my score. Yeah. No, you put uh, fucking Nick Cage and Tom Atkins in a movie together, it's an instant two star upgrade. If it's fucking zero, I mean, you know, right out of the gate. So I hear you. I hear you. Well, I mean. Where are you at on this? Oh man, this is uh, I'm 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 at a six. Yeah, that, that's Firm. where I'm at too. I I think it could go to a six and a half, but that's that's it. It's no worse than a six yeah. for me. Like I said, I wanted to like it more. I felt like there were some missed opportunities in the movie, but yeah. it has its place. And I feel like if you're a fan of this new age Nick Cage, yeah, watch this movie. I can absolutely see myself putting this on again as a rewatch. I mean, if oh, I'm yeah. if I'm in a Nick Cage mood, man, I could just shuffle the deck, and this this would be in my my you know deck of random Nicolas Cage movies that I want to watch again. If nothing else, for the pinball scenes. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Eight right, millimeters, man. maybe my favorite Nicolas Cage movie. I won't agree with that but i will say that is a nick cage movie of his that i do appreciate a good bit yeah 
Yeah, I can't say it's my favorite. Oh wow, okay, that's fine. But yeah, that's my favorite. But I definitely so dark. do like. I own it. Yeah, and there's good performance. It's a great cast. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's so dreadful. It's one of those movies yeah. I watch and I, man, it's a good movie to watch like on a rainy day when you're just dreary as fuck anyway. Yeah, I, I actually saw that out. in theaters. Yeah, ooh, that'd be yep. cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd feel weird watching that in a theater. I'd be like, kind of looking around, <laughs> like. Ugh. Well, that was. So I mean, dirty. at that time, that was when I was in the Navy, and it was one of those kind of like. Uh, ravenous. Ravenous. Uh, that was. I was like, oh, it's a new Nick Cage movie. Oh, okay, I'll go see it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, well, what about you? Have you gotten anything new or recent uh, here? I saw Wrong Turn. Oh. Have you seen the new Wrong Turn? I have seen the new Wrong Turn. Uh-huh. The very conflicted reviews of Wrong Turn. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't where know are you at? Cool. I I knew going into it that I didn't know anything in particular. I did see the preview. The preview was interesting, mm. uh, but I did know that basically, don't expect what you got from the original movie. No. And that is. 100% accurate. I would agree with that. And I personally, and this is controversial, I feel like the new wrong turn, the reboot, or whatever you want to call it, is just as good as the original, but for completely different reasons. Because the original went the schlocky, you know, yeah. slasher in the woods trope, which I can appreciate. Trust me, you know. If you know anything about me, is I love slasher in the woods. That's a great gimmick for me. This one took more of a sophisticated, almost psychological approach to a certain extent. It was more. It was just more serious. It wasn't schlock, and uh, you know I like the look of the foundation. It's really cool. There's some really cool scenes. You know, with them in the woods. Again, I'm not going to go into details with it, but no, this movie had a lot going for it, man. I will say the uh, the tree trunk scene. I'll leave it at that. Mwah! It was badass. That yeah. was awesome. That was a super cool scene. This for me, I mean, the first uh, half hour of the movie, I was absolutely ready to fucking shit all over this thing and, and drop a fucking 2.5 on it. I don't know. Once the the threat became serious, you're like, "Yep, <laughs> there's no getting out of this now, boys. You're you're fucked." And you're uh, in and it. At that point, the movie picked up for me, and yeah, it just kept picking up. Like it was, it's it's maybe the the best experience for me, starting out a movie saying this movie sucks. I fucking can't wait till it's over. To going, wow, <laughs> that was fucking really. Damn. Well played, like yeah, they did a good turnaround for me. I mean, it whipped back. I love the ending of, it. and even when it ends, initially it kind of has a, it pulls back. It goes like, through the whole credits, yeah. Yeah, you get a really wild ending that that yeah. makes the whole movie worthwhile, and I think that ending makes the movie for sure. Very got to be seen. Yeah, it, this was a very unexpected journey, and that the ending very unexpected too. Uh, yeah. Bill Sage, who plays, uh, I think he's, he's credited as Venable. He's like the lead of the foundation. Yeah. Incredible. He was so good in that movie. Nice so haircut. Yeah. Oh, he had the nice skunk beard going majestic. Oh, as fuck. Yeah. yeah. I wish, yeah. I, I, wish <laughs> I could pull that off. Yeah. No yeah. 
for real. <laughs> I'm not gonna and lie, his, I'm a little jealous. And in his uh, his gimmick outfit when he had the fucking the skull mask and the, the double, double scythe, yeah, yeah dude. that's badass. Yeah, and then there's some fire involved, and he looks like fucking the devil it's reincarnated. Giant. Yeah, yeah, good man. movie. Yeah, we don't want to spoil it, but check it out. Yeah, no, it definitely this this movie had a lot going for it, and I mean. I don't feel like it's sacrilege to be a fan of the original and be a fan of this. I mean, I feel like these are the original and this are the two best movies out of all this entire wrong turn franchise. The second one is it's a good campy sequel proper, you know, Henry Rollins is pretty cool in it, but three through six or seven, whatever it is, they're fucking garbage. I never, I mean, if you just one really, 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 huh. I really like the first one. So this is honestly easy for me to say that this was better than the first one. Okay. But, yeah. Well, slap a rating on it, man. 7.5. 7.5? I feel like I'm in that 6.57 range. And there's room for improvement there, I think, upon rewatch, because I did. I really enjoyed this movie. And just talking about it and some of the things that you brought up, it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, man, this was good. And the people that say, like, oh, yeah, the movie sucked. I'm like, did you even no. watch the movie? That's the same assholes that say Halloween 3 Season of the Witch sucks, man. Same people. No, I'm not even going to argue that. You're probably right. Yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> no. Wrong Internet turn. trolls. Yeah, yeah. Fake news. No, for real, uh, as far as NHP is concerned, the new wrong turn, yeah, check that out, for real. So one other thing I want to uh, bring up here real quick is, uh, well, coming up here in just a few days from the release of this episode, there is a uh, horror convention that's going to be taking place in Tampa, Florida, and it's called the Tampa Bay Screams Horror Convention. And why is this relevant, do you ask? Well, the fam and I, we are taking a spring break vacation in Orlando, and we're going to be down there for a few days. And it just so happened that this horror convention is taking place during the same time we're going to be there. And it's only about an hour and ten minutes away. I actually did a proper uh, Google Maps search from where we're staying to where this is at, and we're actually on the west side of Orlando, so we're even closer to it. So it's an only an hour, ten-minute drive. And uh, I'm going to take Adrian to it. So this will be her first horror convention. And, uh, I mean, it's pretty small. It's nothing major. I think there's only about six or so guests. And uh, Flor- the only is ones... Is Larissa Rose going to be there? No, she's not. I wish she would. That'd be pretty cool. Is uh, the male girl? No. Oh. Okay, I mean, you can ahead. probably some more, and they won't be there. <laughs> no, uh, the most notable ones is uh, Lisa Wilcox. She played Alice in the Nightmare on Elm Street. Four and five, John Dugan, who played Grandpa Sawyer in uh, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, will be there, and Marilyn Eastman, who is Helen Cooper in Romero's iconic classic Night of the Living Dead. Uh, they're the ones that I think I will go get their autographs. I think so. I'll have to figure out what I'm going to have them sign, but it's only like fifteen bucks to get in, and I mean, like I said, it seems like it's a pretty small convention. Not you know, anything compared to what Horror Hound is, but yeah. So that's something interesting that we're going to do. So if you're in the Tampa area and you're going to be thinking about going to this convention and you're an NHP fan, look us up. We'll be there. I'll be there at least. There you go. So, but yeah, 
first uh, horror convention since Horror Hound of 19. Hell yeah, man. Damn. Well, and I don't know if you noticed, uh, not only is Horror Hound doing a show this year in September, they're turning right around in March as scheduled and doing one in 2022. Okay. So they're going to have two conventions in Cincinnati almost back-to-back. So that's that's good. Yeah, at least they're not taking it to Indianapolis. That's fucking too far for me to drive. Well, they are having an indie show uh, mixed in there somewhere. I can't remember where exactly. I didn't pay attention. But um, another convention that's coming up, they just uh, rescheduled from April to June, is the uh, Steel City Con. It's going to be held at the Monroeville Mall in Pennsylvania. And uh, Is Freddy Krueger going to be there? He is on the de- he is on the list, man. And well, I'll tell you, I'm going. If he's go- if it, it's happening, he's going to be there. I'm going. I got a Freddy Krueger drawing. I want to get signed. So do I. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out, like, am I going to have Lisa Wilcox sign it too? Like, am I going to make it like an All Things Nightmare on Elm Street? But I also have like an Elm Street like ten sign. It's like a road sign, like you would like a street sign. Yeah, it's all, like, yeah. dirtied up. Thinking about maybe have her sign that and just have Robert sign the NHP Freddy Krueger pick. I don't yeah. know. I gotta think about that. You got to diversify your bonds. I know, I know. And then I gotta figure out something for Grandpa Sawyer to sign and Helen Cooper, but that shouldn't be too hard. But so yeah, that's pretty cool. We got some horror cons coming up, and sounds like I'm gonna be attending a few, and that's exciting. Trying to get yeah, back yeah. to some sense of normalcy. And I'm excited to take Adrian to her first one, and I think this this seems like a pretty good one to go to because you know it's not massive and going to be chaos, but I guess with you know yeah, with social density and everything, I I I, I kind of wonder what Horrorhound will be like post you know after, with COVID. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, but yeah, that's all Plus, I've got, man. You get to you get to spend some money on merch. Since you're saving money on autographs over here. Right. Well, and that, obviously, I'm going to keep an eye out for that. So you and the Lord better keep your phones handy on the on the day I'm going to be there. Because if I come across something that piques my interest, that I think might pique your all's interest, I expect a response. Man, if there's, it. If, there's a, if there's a two for ten uh, XL size Tom Adkins shirts, you know, or something. <laughs> right. Two for ten. I'll I'll take two of those. Right on. Hell yeah, man. Because Tom right. Atkins is sexy no matter what. You can wear that out to dinner or fucking wear it to a meeting. I mean, everybody likes Tom Atkins. Damn right. And if you don't think that, I don't want to know you. I mean, especially if you put Nicolas Cage in this picture. If you can get a Tom Atkins and Nicolas Cage shirt. Oh, I'm in. Under ten I don't, bucks. I don't even... I don't even if you get if you get those two in a movie together, I don't even need to know what it's about. I'm in. Wasn't he in Drive Angry? Wasn't they in Drive Angry together? Oh shit, that's right, they were. Yes, that, they, they were, don't... motherfucker. Well, they didn't they share any scenes though. Yeah, he did. He's yelling at the fucking over the police, you know, intercom thing. Yeah, but at was him that really he's... sharing a scene? Uh, they probably weren't even together when that happened. Like I'm no, talking about sharing that. a fucking scene, man. Mm-hmm. He ain't having a bit of dialogue amongst themselves. Like, I chat. want a back and forth. Qu- yeah. Quentin Tarantino style. Atkins okay. and Cage. That's what I want, motherfucker. Okay. Make that movie. 
Well, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> that's what needed to happen. All right. Well, be sure to check out our good friends Justin and Aaron over at the Raised in Horror, the Psycho Siblings podcast, where they review all things horror all the time. For their Monster March theme, they just released the Stephen King adaptation of The Mist from 2007 on the 11th. And we're all looking forward to their next review on the 25th, which is the Blob remake from 1988. But you got to give them a listen if you haven't already. You can follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Raised in Horror. Psycho Siblings Raisin Horror Podcast. Find them now on your favorite podcasting app or movie fans. Well, this concludes our review of Dumb and Dumber from 1994. We hope you enjoyed our hot takes on this dumb as shit, ridiculous ass movie that's a slapstick comedy classic. Be on the lookout for new announcements and updates on our Facebook page, Nostalgia Highway Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at HighwayNHP. You can check out our letterbox profiles. The King's is Patriarch1979, and mine is Matlog16. Give us a follow if you want. We'll follow you back. We love seeing what everybody else is watching. I actually have a couple of maybe controversial top ten lists regarding horror remakes and 80 slashers that never got a sequel, so check that out if you want. And lastly, but certainly not least, we want to give recognition and thanks to Sean Jackson and Cody Jones for the theme music that they've composed for the show. Join us next time when we hit the racetrack. Hey. If you ain't first, you're last. That's right. For our next stop on the highway, we're going to get all jacked up on Mountain Dew and piss excellence in two weeks when we review Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby from 2006. Hell yeah. Shake and bake. (laughs) Shake and bake. That just happened. (laughs) I am Dave King of the Road. And I am the Mayor Matt Logston, and we thank you once again for hitching a ride along with us, and we'll pick you up next time out on the highway. I have a weird sense of humor. Well, and I and I'm aware of that. It, I got it clipped. Okay. So that should. Well, yeah, but that's I, constricting. That's constricting, man. You let that not, out an inch. You need to let that out an inch, man. Oh no, we're good. We're good. <laughs> let that out there's, an inch. There's just no, no. There's just give me a one more tug. inch. No, no, give no. Give me no. one more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's what they all say. <laughs> <laughs>